Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. And so what I want to talk about today is we think about big, I want to revisit one of our kingdom culture values here that we have, and that's prayer fuels power. Whenever we think about prayer, there's always a question that's associated with that is, have you prayed about it? Many a time we'll get people that will come up and, and share what they're feeling. But when the question, have you prayed about it, comes up, it's actually something that's often left as the last resort, which should be our first response. You know, it's the very heart of what we do. And it's something that over a month ago I actually shared at our team advance to our volunteer leaders and, and our key volunteers as something that we want it to be central in our lives. That prayer is something that is not an optional extra, but it's what we engage in on a daily basis. You know, in Matthew 6, Jesus talks about prayer. He says, when you pray. Not the question if you pray, but when you pray. And in that, there's a confident expectation that God awaits for us to reach out to Him. God awaits for us to call to Him in prayer. Jeremiah 33, 3, come to me with your thoughts and prayers and I'll show you mysterious things you do not yet know about. He waits for us like a loving father waiting for that child. And many of us perhaps says now, you know, it might be that time, when's my son going to call? When's my daughter going to call? Often that can be the case. Sorry, mom and dad, if you're here, um, I've got to return your call actually, accountability. But often it can be that case that God waits for us to reach out to Him in prayer. And so my question to you, church, is where does prayer rate in your life? And when you pray, what does your prayer actually look like? We've heard many variations of this statement before, but if God were to answer all your prayers, would the world be a better place or would you just be better off? See, often I'm asked, what's my number one prayer? Apart from obviously seeing our communities reached, souls saved, What's my number one prayer for our congregation? You know, it's not about the building or a space. It's not about a full church. But it's actually for each and every one of us that call Numa West home to engage in a life of prayer. And my prayer within that is that as you pray, my prayer is that God would open your eyes to be aware of His presence in your life and to make you aware of what He's doing in your world, in your workplace, in your community and in this church. Because when we engage in a life of prayer, when we engage in a consistent life of prayer where we seek what God is doing and asking God to make us aware, you understand the need and urgency of what God is doing and it compels you to get off the bench and into the game. And so there is something beautifully significant about praying and asking God to make us aware of what He is doing. See, again, when we talk about your kingdom come, your will be done, it's not get me. It's funny how Jesus, when he prayed it, didn't say get me to heaven quickly. No, no. He says bring heaven to earth. And what part do we play in that? And so when I shared this with our leaders, there was a scripture that God just put on my heart that just beautifully encapsulates that when we're surrounded, when we're in difficult circumstances, what the power of prayer can do. And so I'm going to invite you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 to 17. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. And should be behind me, but if not, just follow with me uh, in your Bibles. Uh, It says, Now the king of Aram, after conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, Beware of passing that place, because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. 
This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king, said one of his officers. But Elisha the prophet, who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Go find out where he is, the king ordered, so I can send men and capture him. And the report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those. And Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, the first thing we understand that when we engage in a life of prayer, where we seek God to make us aware of what's happening, we understand that prayer gives insight and strategy to what the enemy is doing. See, in verse 10, we read that the Arameans were trying to attack the Israelites, but every single time those plans were thwarted because of what Elisha would tell the king of Israel. But when we understand that Elisha didn't work off a hunch, it wasn't a lucky guess, I think they're going to be there. No, he understood what God was doing. He understood when he asked for a double portion of God's anointing on his life, he understood his commitment was, God, I want to I see what you see, do what you do, be led by what you do. There was a life of prayer and constant engagement in this. So he knew what was happening. Can I suggest, church, that perhaps sometimes we can know something but not understand it? You know, we can read all the scriptures and put them all on our, on our, on our fridges, on our, let's declare those things, but not understand the significance of what that means in a trial. You know, <laughs> this makes me think of a time where back in the day, I'm at that age now where it's back in the day, uh, back in the day, 19 years ago, I decided I'd do the crazy thing of signing up to Matt's Methods. Anyone here done Matt's Methods? <laughs> yeah, I'm not as smart as you though, Dan. Um, so when the exam came, I was already failing miserably, but I was smart. I did six subjects, so I knew that that one might not count to my interscore. If you're in year 12, don't try that, okay? Don't, don't <laughs> learn from my mistakes. Um, but anyway, the, the, the exam was coming up, and our teacher said the most blessed words I had ever, ever heard. You can bring a two-sided A4 cheat sheet. Yes! So what I did for the week leading up, I wrote, I had this little map, and I wrote it, literally every single chapter I managed to find the key points in that and write it on this little cheat sheet. And I thought, too easy. I'm going to smash this exam. Guess what happened when the exam came up? The pressure came on. I couldn't find anything. The question's like, and it's worth 15 marks. So I know that I've got to do some sort of working out in this. And all I wrote was Y equals six. Why? I don't know. It just off a hunch. So, so guess what reward I got for my efforts? 24%. That's why I'm a pastor now, guys. I'm not an accountant. <laughs> What's the point? I wrote concepts. I didn't understand substance. I wrote the idea of something, but I didn't understand the, the explanation or the heart behind that. Where was Ronald when I needed him? He's a tutor. Where are you, Ron? Over here. If anyone needs a tutor, he's a great tutor, but you weren't around there, mate. You left me high and dry. Probably because you were still in primary school, but there you go. <laughs> And so for us, when we pray, when we just have a scripture, it's great. But we, if we don't understand the substance, when it comes to prayer, we don't understand the fullness of that scripture, right? And so then when we understand, as we pray, we understand that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. 
It's about in the supernatural, we read in Ephesians 6, 12, Paul tells us that it's not just about what we see. There are things behind the scenes that we pray against as well. Just in the natural, but it's in the supernatural as well. That the fight is spiritual. And for many of us, or maybe even all of us, each week as we walk through these doors, we come facing some sort of spiritual warfare in our lives. Whether it be just tough circumstances at home, whether it be health, whether it be issues in, in family, whether it be issues in faith or your identity, whatever it may be, every week, many of us, as we walk through those doors, and when I say many of us, I put my hand up first in saying this, we come through with spiritual warfare and wanting to just see God move in our lives. But what I love is that Monday through Saturday, prayer gives us that opportunity to see God to provide the guidance that we need. Where on the Sunday service is a confirmation of what we hear Monday through Saturday. See, God gives us what we need to navigate. He's given us the Holy Spirit. John 14, 26 tells us that the Holy Spirit is our advocate, that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our guide. You know, a guide knows the destination where he leads you to, right? You'd be a bit worried if you go on a tour and you end up, <laughs> and, you know, lost or something like that, and you've paid for this tour. Well, it's the same thing in prayer. When we pray, we are to guide us. He leads us to exactly where he wants to take us, where he wants to direct us. And often he can push us, but, but what happens is it's not just something that happens in our lives, but even for us in our service. Every week, it's, it's not uh, what, what we do each week in a service is not thought up in a boardroom or in a meeting. But one thing that we've been doing for the last four months, I think three or four months, this year as we started, is that 10 days out, before a service, before we ever walk in and have the first rehearsal or set up or pack down, whatever, 10 days out, we send a message to all our platform team leaders. And the question always is, what is God speaking about that service? So you might be here, you today, or, but you know, your seat, where you are, you've been prayed for 10 days before you've walked into this building. That we've prayed that Holy Spirit will lead, will guide and minister to what it is that He wants us to be led by. We don't want to be a church that's led by a run sheet. We want to be a church that's led by what God wants to do in his community because this is his church, not ours. And so we, we plan with God and we follow his lead. We need to be equipped. And how do we become equipped? Through prayer and the word of God. See, what I love about this scripture is that Elisha was one step ahead of the Arameans because he sought God first. It wasn't about him. It was about God. His boldness led to the Arameans coming after him and ultimately putting him and his servant in a bind, which gave the Arameans a false hope that they had the upper hand. But yet they didn't understand one thing. And that's my second point, that natural formulas are no match for supernatural intervention. See, we read verse 15. We're just going to give our, our servant here because he's got no name in the story. But we're going we're to personalize him here today. We're going to call him Mickey. If anyone's called Mickey Mouse here, Mickey, I'm sorry, but you're a faithful person, Mickey, whoever you are, if you're here today. But, but in the natural, right? There's really no better way of saying it, but in the natural, they were stuffed. You know, Mickey's gone out, and he was terrified. I don't blame him. If I walked out and saw that, freak me out. Mickey thought he'd wake up, and he was going to go to the end of the driveway and pick up the newspaper for Elisha. And then he looked up, and he's like, paper, if you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> because they were outnumbered, and he had every right to be afraid. And often what fear can do, it will lead to discouragement. All of this, I've served... God through Elisha so faithfully, and it's brought me to this. It can lead to a discouragement, and we can all relate in some way. We can leave on a Sunday night feeling so empowered, singing every worship song all the way home, and then the next day we get the letter that's saying that, you know, a house may be repossessed, or, or the person that we love walks out on us, or, or the doctor gives us a diagnosis that we're not expecting. 
And like the servant, we can get in that position when we think, oh, we're starved. And in this situation, the Arameans would have seen the reaction of the servant and be like, ha I got them just where I want them. See, the Arameans thought they had won. They had more manpower. They had a whole army and they were against two men. They were surrounded. And often what can happen is that the enemy, the enemy, the devil can just lie the illusion that you are alone and you've got no chance. And often what can happen in these situations, rather than come in prayer, we isolate, isolate ourselves and live in our sorrow. But yet Jesus says otherwise in his word, Matthew 28, 20, you know, where we talk about the great commission to go and make disciples. At the end, he says, and behold, I am with you to the very ends of the age. Not just when things are good, but in all seasons, I am with you to the very end of the age. Someone needs to hear that today, that you may be going through something today, but Jesus says, I am with you to the very ends of the age. But let's go back to my friend Mickey over here. See, a lot of the time when we, 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 we hear sermons on this story, a lot is talked about Elisha's faith. A lot, of, a lot is talked about what God does and how he opens his eyes. But, but I think Mickey's a hero in this story as well. Because despite his terror, he didn't run away. Despite his terror, he didn't say, hey, King of, King of Aram, he's here. I'll come and get you to him. I'll bring you here. Just save my life. He didn't bail out. He didn't act brashly. But the first thing that he said, he was like, Oh, my Lord. Hey, Elisha, man, like, we're stuff, bro. What are we going to do? That's if you spoke like me back then. It's pretty cool. Um, I'm not going to try speaking Hebrew or whatever the language was because it sounds horrible. But he went to the man of God. He went to Elisha. Why? Because he had seen God move through Elisha. He had seen that this is a man that is not faced by these things. There's this confident expectation in this guy. So rather than sell him, I'm just going to, hey, we're in this together, covenant family, more than a servant. They did things together, which then comes to the question, church. In times of struggle for you, who do you turn to? Do you seek godly counsel of those around you? Do you seek for people to pray for you? Let me just encourage you all that this place is a judgment-free zone. No matter what you've done, Jesus died on the cross for you. And my heart would be that the person next to you, rather than judge or condemn, would lay, would lay down their lives and pray for you. And intercede for you. But then the, for us that have been believers for a while, what advice do you give to those people when they come to you? Do we give advice of what's happening outside these walls or do we point people and pray for them and lead them back to a God encounter? See, church is covenant family. You know, we've got life groups in, and, and many opportunities for us to do life together. Yes, we serve on a Sunday and the team, they do a brilliant job, but... But we're called to be covenant family Monday through Saturday. And that's why I love what Mickey did here. Because in this moment, you know, he, in his terror, he sought support and prayer. They were in this together. And what happens is that when we try to reason our circumstances in our own strength, with fear as our driving force, we make uninformed emotional decisions that only worsen the situation. But however, when we can stop and focus on Jesus in prayer, we see that, that prayer increases faith over fear. See, we see verse 16, right? I, I love Elisha's response. All good. <laughs> Did not seem bothered in the slightest. You know, I, I can only imagine Mickey sitting there thinking, what was in the communion that Elisha had last night, man? Because like there are people, like we're stuffed, man. Like 
are you all right, man? Did you bad pizza? What was it that you had last night? No, he wasn't bothered. Don't be afraid. Why? Because he understood something that the servant didn't understand, that God was at work. He went with God's plans over brash decisions. His reason was, okay, God, I can see what's going on here, but you wouldn't have been giving me the plans of the enemy all this time just to bring us here to get us killed. You're obviously doing something, God. See, when we engage in a consistent life of prayer, when we seek God's counsel in every single thing that we do, we, we, we realize that prayer is essential for a full picture of what God is doing. As we pray, we ask God for heaven's perspective on our situations. We ask for heaven's perspective in our community. We ask for heaven's social issues that take place outside these walls. We ask for heaven's perspective in these seasons. In your situation, in everything. See, regular prayer aligns us, aligns us with his will. It increases faith. I love Hebrews 11.1 1, where it says faith is a conviction of, sorry, is a faith, is a things that hope for in the conviction of things not yet seen. I got tongue tied there. <laughs> faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. I got there in the end. See, Elisha had faith and as a result, he could see the full picture that Mickey, his servant, couldn't see. That's what brought the boldness and confidence. And we read that throughout the Bible. It's this intimacy with God that gives David the courage to pick up five stones to go against a warrior, a giant, knowing that, hey, I don't need the five, but you know, I'm going to pick up the five anyway. Take him out in one. It gives him that confidence to do that. It gives Joshua the confidence to say, you know what? We're not going to go in with full force. We're going to sing praise because the praises are going to break these walls down. And, you, and time again, the faith, it's not because they were extraordinary people. It's that they trusted in an extraordinary God. So for, for Elisha, he understood this wasn't the end. Oh no, God was doing something. Just kind of like how now the building's gone back to Gold Coast. I'm feeling the heat coming up. I don't think it's the fire of heaven. I think it's the, the heat is up here. What's going on? So the question is, church, what is God's plan for your life? Have you prayed about it? See, the more you engage in prayer with God, the more he will highlight things that the casual believer simply will not see. And he will allow you to intercede and pray bold prayers, not just for you, but for others. And in Elisha's case, he prayed for open eyes. See, Elisha didn't try to reason with Mickey. He didn't try to convince Mickey. No, man, trust me, I'm seeing this. Believe me, you've got to believe me what I tell you. And often we can try to convince people that have never had an encounter with God about an encounter that they can't understand because they've never had that encounter. So Elisha didn't try to reason with him. He simply just turned to God, God, open his eyes. Let him see what I can see. Because I think that speaks volumes more than what I can do. And God answered. And the servant saw that they had the advantage all along. See, for Elisha, he had the credibility of testimony. Often, you know, in, in the years that, that, that I've ministered with people, you know, often I can talk scriptures until I'm black and blue, but there is such a power of testimony of what God's done in said scriptures in my life. So Elisha wasn't just talking the talk. He had walked the walk. He wasn't just saying, hey, believe in God, man, trust me. He's actually been in those moments, literally life or death, where he's like, God, move, and he's seen God move. See, we live in a world that argues that logic is greater than faith. 
that we live in a world where seeing is believing, but Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us that believing is seeing. That I don't need to see something naturally to understand what God is going to do in that. I can have faith for it and know that God will do it. But how in a life of regular prayer? Now, again, you know, prayer, that's a personal conviction. It doesn't mean that if you pray more, you hear more in the sense of, I pray for 10 hours a day that I'll hear more. It's not available to just the elite few. It's actually available to each and every one of us. Again, I mentioned Jeremiah 33.3. Call to me and I will answer to you. And I will show you great and mysterious things you do not yet know about. It wasn't a call out to just a select few, but it was an invitation for all of us. Again, we live in a world where people will walk through these doors expecting me as the preacher or whoever's on this pulpit to somehow convince you or plead with you to convince you to see the world the way that I do. We live in a world where even as Christians, it's based on how I feel. One of the, the common answers that, that I, or one of the common things that I feel or hear a lot is, I just need a way to feel God's peace on it. Let me tell you something, that when God told Moses, go out there, you're going to free a whole nation, he didn't have no peace. He went porky pig. Not me, God, I can't talk. I can't even talk, I can't even talk to the mirror properly. Don't even get me started on the book of Hosea. I won't go there. <laughs> read it you'll find out what I mean by that see sometimes God will give you that peace but often he'll give you a holy discontent so for Moses he didn't have a peace but he had a holy discontent that that is not right what they're doing to the to the Hebrews over there something has to be done and God's like okay you go <laughs> so my prayer for you each week is that God would open your eyes to what he is doing in your world and the part that you play to what he is doing, what he is doing here. You know, often a, a thing that I hear as well, and I use the example of Moses, is that, you know, pastor, you know, I'm just not good with people. I'm pretty awkward sometimes, not all the times, but sometimes I can be awkward. But, but the conviction that God has given me of late is that the person sitting next to you today, again, whether you're here intentionally or last minute or not, you're an answer to prayer for someone. Someone's been praying for you to be here today. And God hasn't put you next to me. He's put you next to the person. There's a divine opportunity right there. There's an answer to prayer right there. There's an opportunity for us to partner with what God is doing right there. But often we miss that because it's not my personality. And God's like, man, I'm bringing them next to the best here. I'm not the best. In his eyes, we're all the best in this. And you might be new here today and thinking, but I'm new. I don't know. You may be the very answer to prayer for the person next to you. In your world. But when we pray... It comes back to the question, will I be better off or will the world be a better place? You know, again, when we pray for the services, often we, we hear is, let's press in and let's see the atmosphere of the Holy Spirit come. And I really felt like God say, I really felt the Holy Spirit impress on my heart. Don't be asking for something that's already there. Don't be praying for my atmosphere to come. You're praying for it already 10 days out. Let the prayer be, let's, let's engage already in what is already here. So it's not pre-service. Prayer is kind of like the old car. We're starting to warm it up. And, and, and then the, the first song, we're starting to build it up. And, and if it's like the old Datsun 120Ys, by the time you get to the Word, you're, you're flying it. It's already here. It's already here. And so for us, you know, yes, we, we come in, the teams, you know, the teams. Let's put our hands together for our teams because the teams do brilliant jobs every single week. I tip my hat off to them because, you know what, a lot of them serve week in, week out. But they play a huge part in ministry all across because they, they, what they do is they facilitate the opportunity for each and every one of us to encounter the Holy Spirit. 
You know, I've heard it said that long before the preacher ever preaches a word, God will touch someone from the moment they walk in from the car park. You know, I look at our incredible team that does production and sound that might be behind the scenes. But what they do is they set up the opportunity for you and I to be able to hear the word of God and be ministered to. And so they, they play a part in that. But our prayer life is the bridge between a great service or a God encounter. And so my question is for you, church, have you prayed about it? See, 1 Corinthians 12 to 27 tells us, and I won't read the whole scripture for the sake of time. It talks about the body, of, that we are one body with Christ as the head. And each part plays its part. You know, again, I'm summarizing it. The, the hand doesn't tell the foot, I don't need you. The inside organs don't tell the external organs, ha ha, I'm better than you. No, each part plays a very important part. But Christ is the head. And if Christ is the head, if Christ is the brain, He's the one that commands each part to play what he needs to have his kingdom come, his will be done. That means that prayer is the blood that pumps to the body, to each part, that enables it to do what it has to do. Which is, you know, it equips us. Gee, it really is getting hot in here. Woo-hoo. So what are some things that we can do, church? We can pray for the body. What part will I play in the body? See, I often hear, I don't have time to serve, but you have time to pray. Each of you can pray for this service. Each of you can pray for each and every one of the teams that come in and serve us week in, week out. You may not have to be in the team to pray for them, but your prayers can cover them in their circumstances. You can pray for the service. As we come in, not come in, um, are they going to sing the favorite song that I like? Same joke again. Am I going to pick up on the words he says wrong? But no, God, like, let's just pray for the service. But I pray that right now, you know, as, as we come into this service, Father, let your presence be there. Let... Let there be an answer to prayer that we'll see people come to know you, Lord. I just pray for every single team member here right now. These are things that we can do. We can come prayed up. We can pray for the service. We can pray for unity. For unity. Especially in a world right now. You know, John 10.10, 10, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy more than ever. Let us be known in our day and age for the love of one another, for the unity for one another. You know, one of the beautiful things that, that I've been a part of, and I shared this last week, and it's coming up in a few weeks. Um, over the last five months, I've had the privilege of getting together with pastors from different denominations from all across the West, and our prayer is always the same. Lord, let us put aside secondary differences to see your kingdom come, your will be done. Let us pray that we will see 20 new churches planted. Let us pray that we will see 20 dying churches. And let us pray for a thousand souls. Doesn't matter where they go, God, but let us see the West transformed. And once again, just come to know you as King. We could sit there and argue on the differences in theology. Or we can say, hey, I don't want to get to heaven. And then Jesus say, you spent all that time fighting on secondary things where all these people went to hell and you had the opportunity to save them. We can pray for our community. Personally, and I'm going to invite the band to come up. Personally, we can pray. Pray for God to show you what he's doing in your life. God, what's my gift, God? I don't know, God. What's my gift? Lord, where are you placing me? You know, what I shared with our volunteers when I did the team advance was that this is one thing that I've come to know to be true. That where God places, He graces. I tell you, there are many weeks that I come in here and I am overwhelmed. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, you've asked me to do something. Like my story, I was a youth worker. I was happy behind the scenes where no one knew my name. I'd get called Craig. I'd get called 
Shane, I'd get, I'd get called Hassan, I'd get called everything. <laughs> but the one thing that I loved was the anonymity, but then God's brought us here. So I get overwhelmed sometimes. But the beautiful thing is, Lord, you've placed me here, Lord. Grace me to lead your people. You know, and I've learned over the last year with the COVID season that, again, it's not my job to convince. It's my job to position you, church, to encounter the goodness of God in your life to encourage you, to lead you to a life where you see God in your world. And yes, gladly I will partner in prayer. Gladly our teams will pray for you. We will intercede and we will just, you know, pray and fast on your behalf. But God's calling you in your life to do that. Pray personally who he wants you to minister to. Like I said, it may be the person sitting next to you today. I'm hoping that at the end of the service you'll stay and you'll talk to the person next to you. You just never know, right? over your circumstances you're surrounded right now it might it might look like whatever it is that you are facing right now that it looks exactly what it did for Mickey and Elisha that it might look like you're surrounded and there is absolutely no way out but let me tell you there are more with us than against us let's pray Let's ask God, God give me clarity to see I can't do this on my own God give me clarity God to see what you're seeing God God position the people around me because again often the answers to prayer are right next to us or you, like I said you might be that answer to prayer but just a, a question to ponder can you imagine what we would experience not just on a Sunday but through each week but what we would experience week in and week out if we all came prayed up and expectant can you imagine if you prayed for the service before you came in. You know, I love that Jesus many a time in the gospel talks about whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, three are gathered. How awesome would it be if we had 123 gathered? How awesome would it be that, some of you I've not met yet, but how awesome would it be as you come and you've prayed? How awesome would that be if for one moment in time, every day we just sat and prayed, God, have your way. God, Use me. God, make me aware. God, your kingdom come, your will be done. You know, again, even going back to, to that moment of the peace, having this peace, I really feel God just bring me back to that. Let's not forget, church, in the Garden of Gethsemane, there was nothing peaceful about what Jesus felt when he prayed to God. He felt the very burden of what he was about to do. But yet his prayer was, God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Took, and he took those steps to be nailed on the cross for us. And that set up what happened on Pentecost Sunday. See, what I love about what happened on Pentecost Sunday, yes, as powerful and as beautiful as it was for the people to see something that they had never seen before, is that we read in Acts 2 that they were all together. They were unified. Often we, we want to see an encounter because we've got the benefit of hindsight, but they didn't have that. They were just told, go and wait. And often, you know, we pray for a day and it's like, okay, no, this isn't God's will for my life, so I'm going. But for over 10 days, they were praying every single day together in one. It doesn't tell us that one started saying, oh man, you heard wrong and you're wrong. No, they waited together and they prayed together and God came. Church, God is moving. Whether we engage or not, God is moving. But the awesome thing is that He invites you, He invites me to join in. He invites us to call on Him. He invites us to together, we're two or three together, to call on Him. He invites us to, to join in intimacy with Him in prayer. 
He doesn't say, leave all your stuff at the door, sort yourself out and pray. No, no, no. He invites us to receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. He invites us, irrespective, to come as we are. Because when we come to Him in prayer, we certainly won't live, leave the way we came in. He invites us to join in in prayer. What's your holy discontent, church? What's happening in your world? As you pray, God's going to say, ha, I know just the right man, just the right woman, just the right young person for the job. Go. <laughs> let's have faith and let's pray for eyes to be open, starting with our own. I mentioned this last week in serving and I'm going to just invite everyone to stand up as, as I mentioned this. The day is coming. We're a week closer to at some point giving you an announcement of a new building. We're still going through the whole process, but but I can't help but but be reminded of what God said to me at National Conference where, where I felt Holy Spirit impressed. You build my home, I'll build your house. So my prayer is, Lord, build, build this home. Lord, guide me, give me the wisdom and clarity to build your home, Father. Can I encourage you to pray the same? What part will we play? Because it's not the building that makes it. It's the Holy Spirit through His people, through the body. That's what brings revival to community. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.